nearly everyone has had a job that just simply sucked. In this podcast, we dive into the terrible workplaces that exist, either due to customer interactions, horrible bosses, bad culture, or environment. Tune in each episode to hear interviews and news stories of why work sucks. Hello, this is Brian Lamar, and this is another episode of Work Sucks, where we dig into stories from people around the country who share with us how their work sucks. Today, we have Katie from Colorado, who is now a truck driver. Hey, Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, tell us a little bit about a job that made work suck for you. <laughs> yeah, work sucks. Anyways, so I work for a call center for a cell phone company. You know, there's several of them out there. Beautiful, beautiful cell phones. And customer service. So we would get yelled at constantly by customers. You know, why is my bill turned off and everything else? You know, when I first started, I had an amazing manager. She worked with me. She understood when I was having bad days. She's like, hey, do you need a few minutes? It sounds like you're having a bad day, you know. And there was a co-worker who works next to me. You know, we were best buds. And then our manager decided that she was going to leave the company. Great opportunity for her to be at home more often, you know, super happy for her. But they hired a manager from inside the company from our data team. And we're just going to call her Jay. And she was one of those people who was like, okay, let's go get them, knock them out of the park. She was like trying to get everything going, you know, and she oh, that, that sounds positive though um, yeah, like yeah. She's motivated and, okay all right it was great it was great when like she started you know she was like one of those go-getters let's get it done and everything else well she was such a go-getter she was like all the rules have to be followed you have to be like robot on the phone all the time okay. so you know she started nitpicking especially the seniority people so the guy i was sitting next to behind me he would occasionally he'd be late. He had a dog who was diabetic and occasionally he'd be late. And it was really just a nine to five for him. He was done with it. He was tired, but it was a job. It's all he knew how to do. He'd been there for, you know, eight ish plus years. You know, she started as soon as she hit the road running or like the first week she was there, she wrote him up for being late. And he had actually had to take his dog to the vet that day, wrote him up for being late. And apparently it had progressive and they found everything they possibly could within like a two month period, like not even two months, a month, you know, to figure out how to let him go. I don't know what all happened or anything else, but next thing I know, he's like, they gave, they canned it. They canned me. You know, he comes out starts collecting his stuff and they're like, they canned me. So I don't know if he didn't fight for it, but she started finding, you know, little things that were, difficult for him you know and instead of coaching I don't know if they tried coaching or training or whatever you know that wasn't my story to tell but I I noticed you know she didn't quite like him and then you know because she liked pretty much everybody else but you know him and me especially so you know I just I tucked tail I did my job I did my you know 
my hours. I was on time. I left when I was supposed to. I, you know, was really good. About six months into this, you know, position with her being the manager, uh, came to the determination that a service dog would start benefiting me at work. Okay. Um, All right. She... You know, I was trained in the service dog, owner trained service dog. And, you know, they're like, hey, we need proof. Like, so I bring it up to the boss and I was like, hey, boss lady. And she's like, yeah, it's like I need to start bringing my service dog into work. She's old enough. She's been trained. She has her tasks done. So I need to start bringing her to work because she's about two at this time, you know, year and a half, two years old. And, you know, she's done her training she's she's good to go she just needs to come in so she can support me and they're like well i don't know we have to clear it with hr and i was like okay so i email hr you know they're like i don't know you know they started trying to throw these different things at me you know well the dog has to be certified through a program i was like no the dog does not need to be certified through the program that like the biggest service dog scam is when people go through these registries online on websites and stuff to get their dogs certified. Now, if you go through an honest to goodness program, they will certify the dog with their certifications, but there's no certification for the service dogs. You know, they have to migrate a task for the dis- for a disability. They have to migrate a task and, you know, there's no service dog registry. So the biggest scam in the world right now. Okay. Well, so so if, if I got it correct, uh, if you go to a rep- reputable agency that will help with the, uh, with the, the training and, and all that stuff for, for a service dog, they will certify it with their specific tasks that they train the dog mm-hmm. in, but there's no like national registry for service dogs for disabilities. Is, is that what I'm hearing? That is correct. So the ADA, the American Disability Act, you know, it's a beautiful, like, last I heard, last I knew it was like page 26 of the ADA Act. It goes over service animal. There is no registry for service animals. Um, So, you know, if somebody's like, hey, you need to certify, well, so-and-so gave me the certification for their dog. They got it online. I was, that's not, you know, there are, they're trained to migrate a task essentially at least one you know my service dogs i have i've had two of them over the last 10 years and they always have done up to 15 plus tasks you know different tasks for me um they're very well trained they do obedience i've always run them through good canine citizen um the cgc good canine citizenship i'm a dog trainer as well so i do a lot of the training myself okay um I've run through some other programs. You know, I've worked with like Domino Service Dogs is an amazing program out of Colorado. Uh, they turn out really good, solid service dogs, but even they'll agree that there's no service dogs, you know, registered. So, well, they're, go ahead. So I'd like to make a, a quick pause in the story right now because I, I guarantee the listeners are out there going, oh, what, what kind of dog is it? So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your dog personally? So I have St. Bernard's. I had St. Bernard's as service dogs. I started with a female St. Bernard who's like 98 pounds named Stormy. Sweetest thing on this earth and everybody loved her. Um, About six years because service dogs are not service. St. Bernard's are known for their short lifespans. So when Stormy hit 
let's see, six, five or six, I went ahead and wasn't looking for a puppy at this time, but I knew I was going to have to retire because her hips were starting to give her trouble and she wouldn't be able to do the mobility work that she needed to do for me. So I, you know, came across an AKC registered uh, male puppy who was born in September 28th. He's actually turning four this year. Um, and so got a great opportunity to get the pick of the litter. They did all the testing, like make sure his knees and everything else were and his temperament was good for service dog work and brought him home and trained them together. And he picked up every, almost every task that the female St. Bernard did. He's my current St. Bernard. He's 160 pounds and he oh, goes with me everywhere. Yeah. He's currently shedding like nobody's business, but so, so, uh, so here, here's the, uh, the two things that I think of when I think of a St. Bernard, you know, you've got your, the movie Beethoven, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also, uh, the the old classic story of the St. Bernards and the Alps with the, the the little cask around their neck with the brandy in the cask and saving hikers or skiers from it the mountains. It was never brandy in the oh, cask. Okay, all right. So um, that's been, you know, they actually were trained dogs to locate skiers and hikers. Um, and that's why they have like the thicker coats and everything because it was actually to help repel that the water and everything. So they were originally bred as rescue dogs. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that Especially makes, that makes sense. Yeah. They've got a nose on them like nobody's business, you know. And I'm not saying for our listeners out there, you know, go out and get your St. Bernard service dogs because they are very stubborn dogs and you can either go very, very lazy or very, very hyper and they don't always want to work. Okay. So be very you careful know. when you're picking a St. Bernard. <laughs> yeah. Be very careful when you're doing a St. Bernard, you know, um, there's, there's better dogs temperamented for service dog works. I've kind of ended up with like a couple of unicorns in service dog work with my St. Bernards. Um, because okay. they just had the temperament when they first started and they showed the promise, like the interruption behaviors and stuff like that before it was even trained into them. You know, I didn't do a lot of training on a lot of the interruption tasks or the location tasks. We didn't have to do a lot of training. They picked up on that naturally. Okay. So, I mean, so, you're, you're sounding like you, you really know your stuff when it comes to uh, not only picking out a, a service dog, but also getting them trained and, and doing all of the, the, I don't want to say, I don't know how to say it, legal, uh, you know, aspects of making sure that you've got a, a, a trained service dog with you. And so uh, you, you, you introduced this service dog at some point into your workplace. You said you, you told your, your supervisor that you needed to bring in the service dog. What was the response after that? They kept pushing back. It took me 90 days and reaching out to askjan.com to get a response back from the whole company, like the HR of the company, that I could actually bring the service dog to work. So, you know, the big boss pulls me in, you know, because there's the managers and then the big boss, you know, the big boss pulls me in and she's like, okay, we've got approval for you to start bringing in Stormy, but we need you to move your desk. And I'm like, why? 
you know, okay. moving desks shouldn't, you know, in case somebody's allergic or so the dog's not a distraction. I was like, the dog's not supposed to be a distraction. She would go under my desk. She knows her training. You know, they're, that's, they weren't, they, the only accommodation, if they were going to accommodate with me, the service dog, they wanted to move my desk. And I was like, okay, at this point in time, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting this job. I'm tired of fighting. I need the job, you know, because it was 10 minutes from home, like five minute drive from home. It was, you know, an easy gig. And so they moved me back in a corner to a corner desk that is by the work, the, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's uh, the, like, the space where people go out to hang out and stuff, the okay. kitchen uh, area, the, they put the me over room. by the kitchen, the break room. So it's over by the break room. It's probably four feet across by, you know, five feet deep. It's not even very big. It, it, my truck is bigger than this, this little office space they stick me in. And it's away from everybody. It's away from my peers, my coworkers. It's away from the managers. So if I needed to speak to a manager, there's, there's usually two plus the big boss, you know, up to five, depending on if they were in the different areas that we had, you know. So, so we had four or five different managers. To be able to go speak with a manager, I'd have to get up and walk all the way to the other side of the building to speak with a manager. Or hope they answered my chats. Okay. All right. So, so they so isolated. Very inconvenient. Yeah. So they isolated me, like completely just like isolated this whole time. This, you know, the first beginning of it, they're like, they didn't ask me to vacuum or anything else. They're like, okay, this is where you're going to stick, you know? So they put me back about a year and a half, two years, I start struggling mentally because I'm a kind of, I'm like a social butterfly at work. I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, talking to my coworkers and stuff, but I had no coworkers. They stuck me in a corner and they left me there. You know, they're like, do your job. You know, they didn't care. You know, I, at one point in time, I'd take my breaks and I'd take a nap on the floor because, well, nobody cared. They're like, they'd walk me and I'd be there and like, nobody would care. I was like, great. You know, I, didn't feel like I was an appreciative employee. But again, I needed the job. It was five minutes from home. It was an easy gig. Well, I start making little mistakes. You know, one day I did not use a customer's name during the call. I got written up for it. Instead of, like, being brought in the office, you know, getting talked about it, I get written up for it. Like, for not using the customer's name. Okay. You know, and then... The next one, the next write-up is like, you didn't tell them about the insurance program, which is like the insurance program for the phones. And I was like, but it was a payment call. But you need to tell them about, you know, the insurance program or the MyViero like, or my at and or Verizon or cell phone company, you know. Right. And you have to tell them about that, you know, how they can pay online if they want to. And uh, so I just, they wrote me up for that. And so I got three write-ups and it was like nitpicking little stuff. Like you didn't use the customer's name. You didn't tell them to call, you know, you can make payments online. And I was like, I'm human. I can't do the same thing over and over and over and over again without 
you know, and they hadn't given me feedback for like six months or about six months. So and then all the, of a sudden, at this point, though, um, you know, you, you hadn't been written up for anything prior nothing. to the dog. So nothing. now that you now the dog has entered into the situation, you got moved. You got asked to start vacuuming the floors. Um, no, I haven't. Got, then, I hadn't been asked to vacuum the floors yet. Ah, that hadn't come yet. Okay. That hadn't come yet. So, but it's just they started trying to find ways to get rid of me. You know, okay. let's let's find where sh- she's not doing her job correctly. Let's get this broken up where, you know, she's just not doing that job. And so they started giving me feedback like every week. Like I went and talked to the big boss and I was like, you know me better than this. You know, I handle this better. You know, I've been doing better. You, you, you know that this is not my consistent work. This is like a once in a 10 call or once in a 20 call, especially if you get those difficult clients coming, calling in going, Hey, I can't, you know, very, you have to, they scream at you and you go, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know, have a nice day. You have to deal with it. And the big boss is like, I know this is not your work. We, you know, by the fourth, the potential try to write up, she's like, this is it. You know, you either get it together or you're not. I was like, I don't want to leave. You know, I'm doing okay. I'm like struggling because I'm back in this corner and I don't, and I have to come all the way up to find a manager. I'm struggling because I've been stuck. I'm not doing it, you know, and we talked and she's like, I tell you what, I'm going to have this trainer person start pulling your calls want to call a day or whatever, two calls a day. And we're going to start pulling your calls and we're going to see if it's a consistent thing. Within a week, I didn't hear anything else. Didn't hear feedback. Didn't hear anything. I didn't have any more write-ups. I didn't. Everything went fine. And then I got sick. And so my medication went wonky, and I got sick. And they're like, "Well, you can't just call in." So I, you know, I'd been there over a year. So I was able to go to my doctor and get the FMLA paperwork filled out and. So they couldn't fire me if I wasn't there at work because I got like okay. two days a month where I couldn't do it. So, you know, we, we made it through the little hurdle where they were trying to nitpick everything on my on my calls to me getting sick. And then they're like, well, you can't miss much more time. I said, yeah, I can. Confirmed my FMLA, you know, this is part of why I get sick. You know, I'm, I'm not doing well. You know, it takes... I want to say three or four months of me getting sick consistently before something was resolved on that. It was a change of medication, um, almost a hospital stay and a change of medication. You know, I had gotten that sick. And, you know, went back to work, still had my FMLA paperwork, still hadn't heard anything about my quality or anything else from my calls. You know, they went back to maybe checking my calls once a week, maybe calling, you know, checking one twice a week or something, you know, didn't even get feedback how I was doing at all. Like I had to go ask, have you pulled any calls today or this week? How am I doing? Oh yeah, you've got a hundred percent. No worries. So once the manager figured out she couldn't nitpick me out of a job, she tried, you know, to figure out, you know, then technical, you know, you're not showing up for work. You can't, you can't do that. She then went from, 
not from trying to get me kicked out to just ignoring me. Like I'd send her a chat and she wouldn't answer. So I'd have to go to the manager or, or a different manager or the boss. And I was like, I really, I need this help. You know, I, I don't know what to do. Or I'd walk up to the manager that was trying to get rid of me, walk up to her desk and go, hey, I need help. What do you need now? So, like, so when you're saying like, you need wow. help, it's uh, you're you're having like these these calls from with customers and there's a question or, or a complex problem that pops up that you need assistance with. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it wasn't like your regular payment call or the majority of the issue calls. It was like, hey, what is my bill doing? And then, you know, they have this outrageous $2,000 charge on their bill. And you're like, hey, it's roaming. I need half of that sent back. You know, they've agreed to change it. You know, we'd go through and figure it out. But to get that, they're like, what do you need now? I was like, wow. I'm like, come on. I, I I don't I didn't even want to approach this manager at all because So your of, inability to be able to approach the manager and get resolution for the customers was, was not only just hurting your relationship with with your manager and, and the customers, but also the companies. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just I couldn't we couldn't get resolution. And so she went from nitpicking to technical to let's just ignore. So we've got we've got nitpicking to, to technical, and then they, they find out that you know they can't be done anything done about that if you're on FMLA, uh, and then now they're ignoring you. So I'm sensing that something uh, drastic is about to happen in the story. Uh, it, it sounds like you've hit a crescendo of issues, and it's great. going to, it's going to decline soon. So tell us about that decline. So. They do a remodel of the building, of the office areas, you know. They stick me in with a couple of the senior agents that have been there for eight years. You know, I'm going on six years at this point, you know. And so they stick us. We do great. They figure out the service dog is not such a big problem anymore. So when they redo the building, they, like, stick me at the end of a lane so she has room to spread out, which is great. You know, I'm actually back in the building. I'm back where, you know, I'm back where I'm doing good, talking and being able to do all right, you know, once the remodel is done. And I get pulled into the office by the boss. He says, we need you to start vacuuming twice a week, the hallway that you walk twice a week. Okay. We walk. We just walk. We don't lay down. We don't play. We walk from there to the bathroom. Now, mind you, we've already done three or four years without vacuuming more than once or twice here or there when the desk gets dirty and I want to clean it up before the cleaning crew gets it kind of thing. You know, not once did we vacuum while we were back stuck in that little corner. But now there's this big remodel and I'm using the other hallway. They're like, you have to vacuum twice a week. Okay. The so, dog's been groomed. The dog's been taken here. You have to, you know, you have to start vacuuming twice a week. I was like, why? What's the point? You have a cleaning crew, you know, so they wanted it like vacuumed every day. So they had me do it every day that the cleaning crew did not come in that day. So, you know, so I start vacuuming. If, if I forgot one day, I'd get pulled in the office. You need to make sure you're vacuuming. It's like, okay, fine. You know, I'm getting tired at this point. I'm getting tired of vacuuming. I'm getting, you know, I didn't have to vacuum around my desk, just the hallway. 
twice a week. I was like, this is ridiculous. It's a service dog. I've already been accommodated for years without this issue. And now we have this issue. So COVID hits. Welcome to 2020. Beautiful COVID. You know, we all survived it. And since COVID hits, they have decided that I am the first one to go home and be their guinea pig. Since they're closing down offices and everything, people are required to go home and work from home if you can. You know, they're like, hey, you've been here for seven, six years, you know, six, seven years. We want you to go home. You know, they don't send the senior rep who's been there for 10 years or the other senior rep who's been there for nine years. They send me home. So they didn't have to deal with me vacuuming or the service dog or anything else. They didn't tell me that, but I'm pretty sure that's why it was. You know, so I load everything in my car, go home, hook it up, spend the next day and a half being their guinea pig, making sure the new technology works and everything else. Not that I minded at all because I got to go home and I didn't have to worry about potentially being exposed to COVID unintentionally because, you know, my family, my wife, two kids, they go to school. You know, my wife's a teacher. You know, it, it was going to hit eventually. We were just ready for it, you know. But they had sent me home, you know, got set up, everything else. And it was great. You know, I was able to be home with the dogs. I didn't have to deal with the office. Everything was great, you know. Come about 2021, they start bringing people back into the office. And, you know, they start bringing everybody back into the office, you know, half the staff, three-fourths of the staff, you know. There was, but, but but you're you're the last one back. So they didn't even invite me back. Oh, so so just a permanent exile, permanent. Uh, you know, let's keep yeah. Katie out of here. Okay. Right. So one of my coworkers who'd been there for five years, I'm talking to her because she was working from home as well, and they said she said they called me and said I need to go back in the office or I could lose my job. And I was like, I don't want to work at the office. I want to work from home. I'm productive. And I was like, I understand. They haven't even talked to me about moving back to the office. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, they haven't even talked to me about moving back to the office. They haven't called me, contacted me, nothing. She's well, like, I mean, so that, my that, job. to me, that sounds like a, a you know, an, an inequality in the workplace. So you got some people that are wanting to stay home and then you're out for whatever reason that they've got you out. I'm not going to say it's because of the dog, but it's pretty coincidental. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, they, they didn't even talk to me about bringing me back to the office at all. So they kept on pushing the people who were working from home to start moving back to the office, pushing and pushing and pushing. Not once did they contact me. I was like, I, I can't keep on doing this, you know, in the meantime, my mental health is starting to decline because I don't get that outlook of getting out of the house. You know, I live with my wife, my two kids, my mom, and my brother hangs out quite a bit. You know, I've got a household that I take care of, and everybody was expecting me to run the house while I was working. I didn't get to separate that work from home. I didn't get to break it up or drive or anything else, and it just proceeded to just go downhill my mental health just went downhill you know and, and, the dogs and also, leave my a, side. A call, you're a call center person as well so you, you you need to be able to concentrate on the calls that you're there and also to have 
you know, a, a pretty quiet uh, place to, to, to work and you've got a family at home that, you know, walking around on eggshells, or at least you would like them to be walking around on eggshells while you're on calls, right? Right. Yeah. Like they, or they try, like I'd be at work and my mom, bless her soul, you know, she'd come over and try to start talking to me. And I was like, about house stuff. And I'm like, I, I can't. I have to work. And yeah. then she'd get frustrated because I was like, I have to take this call. And she's like, you're always working. And I was like, I can't. So just progressively, my mental health just hit the tank. You know, my anxiety, I've got generalized anxiety, complex PTSD, that all starts hitting up. And the dogs are higher on alert and everything else because I had the two of them at the time, you know, got tired, got tired and tired and tired. So about September, I decided that I was going to leave. Um, I was going to get my CDLA. And so I started studying for the CDL permits and started reading and was going to take the test at the end of October. And I didn't want to do anything until I had known I had passed the permit test. A lot of companies want you to have their permit in place before they will hire you on because they want to make sure you're serious about it and you've right. done your research. And so I you know, got that got moved up by a week because I was like, I can't wait another week before I take this test. And they had an opening at, you know, down the way of it. So I took it and I passed. I passed missing only four questions out of 95. So that nice. shows you I'm intelligent, you know. Yeah, the three different 95 questions, three different qu tests, you know, air brakes you know, general knowledge and pre-trip inspection, you know, passed, missed four questions out of 95. When I finished, I finished in like 20 minutes. So we're like, wow, that's the quickest we've had anybody finish all together. I was like, I, I had it. it. It was, you know, so I got to offer an offer to start November 2nd. I think it was November 2nd. So the, the 24th, I called, you know, put in my week's notice. I ended up putting a week's notice instead of two weeks notice. And I had some vacation time I wanted to use because they don't pay out vacation time anytime over 20 hours. But because of my FMLA, I had to use all that PT or that vacation time if I took time off. But I actually had some eight hours built up. So I wanted to take like eight hours off and actually get paid for my vacation. And, you know, Monday I went to work. Tuesday, I woke up with a fever of 103.5, and I was like, I can't work like this. So I call in, you know, Wednesday, I get a call back from the boss, and she's like, yeah, this isn't going to work for us. Your, your last day was Monday. Hmm. We appreciate you trying to give us notice, but your last day was Monday, and that's what we're putting it down as. When you feel better, take your equipment into HR. I was like, okay. Great. So Thursday, I didn't wake up for a fever, ran my equipment into HR, dropped it off because I wasn't even going to go to the boss. Knew one of the, you know, one of the other employees, one of my coworkers went ahead and cleared out my desk at the office who that's been sitting there since COVID started, you know. And uh, Saturday, I, I, I go out on a date, you know, because I'm leaving Sunday, you know, go out on my date and I can't taste anything. She's like, you have to test for COVID. Uh -oh. Yeah. Went, went and did a rapid test and I came back positive for COVID. So, you know. So, I, so that fever, 
this fever was an indicator that you had contracted COVID, I'm sure. And yeah. then, so you're basically your, your workplace decided to fire you for, uh, you know, they had, they had their reasons built up uh, and they had their, their opinion already made. Probably they were just looking for that trigger point. So when you called out sick, yep. that was it, right? Yeah. And messaged the boss, you know, when I found out on Monday, I was like, Hey boss, wanted to let you know, that that fever last week was COVID. You might want to let HR know. Nothing. Yeah, well, because like, you showed up at HR to, to out-process, to right? To draw. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. I was like, yeah, I popped positive for COVID. And, you know, that's my parting gift to the company is leave their HR with COVID. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. Nobody responded. Nothing. You know, got my last check in the mail. You know, it it was much smaller than I had anticipated. I had to go out for two weeks because I had to quarantine for COVID. And yeah, so, but it was the best move. Like I had spent seven years of that company. Best move I'd ever done. Before I left, after I was testing, you know, I decided to do a little, you know, little party and have some of my girlfriends over, like some of my old coworkers and stuff like that because I was feeling better. You know, I was we were good. We were past the quarantine stage for, you know, before I hit that, I was like, Hey, I wonder what they're hiring for. So I pull it up on their website and they're hiring for 1550 an hour. When I left, I was getting paid 1475 an hour. Hmm. I've been with the company for seven years. So my little bug dropped, you know, dropped in a few ears that day. And I don't know exactly what happened. Well, I mean, it sounds like to me that uh, at this point, uh, you're enjoying what you do now. So Yes, uh, I'm so, driving the 48 states, so. So, yeah, so so you're, you're seeing the world or you're seeing the country anyways. You're enjoying your new career. Uh, so tell me about uh, uh, your, your dog. Uh, are you able to take your dog with you? Yes. So my St. Bernard Rue, he's, you know, he, he's Rubius, a.k.a. Rue. He's got a fan club at almost all the terminals we stop at. Yeah, you do, bud. Um, <laughs> he, I send out, like, weekly emails of new pictures of him during the week because they actually like getting happy mail of Rue. He's <laughs> on the truck. He, you know, I, I don't think I can go to a fuel stop or diesel stop where, you know, a fuel stop at all without, you know, some driver going, that's an awesome dog. You know, <laughs> look at that co-pilot. He eats you out of the truck. And, you know, I, I get more conversation with him on the, you know, and the greatest thing is, is I don't have to vacuum every twice a week. Yeah. Well, also, uh, you, you kind of have a, a bit of a safety uh, net right there with you as well, because there's, you know, being being a trucker out o- over the open road, uh, especially as a female, could probably a bit, be a bit daunting. Uh, but nobody's really going to mess with the St. Bernard sitting there next to you. No, no, but he's the friendliest guy. You know, I get out and they're like, hey, would you like to meet him? Really? I can? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he, like I said, he's got fan clubs probably all over. You know, he's got a Facebook page. So oh we, we try to we well, try to. Tell the listeners the uh, tell the listeners the Facebook page and uh, we'll see if see if uh, he gets a bigger fan club. It's uh, Rubius the Service Dog is his Facebook page. 
Rubius the service dog. Okay, I'm going to check yep. that out, Our, and I will put that in the comments uh, on on Potomatic.com in the uh, description of this podcast. I'll put that uh, page in those those comments as well. Yeah, we'll have to make sure we keep that updated. <laughs> yeah, I want to see pictures of Rubius. <laughs> yeah, from when he was puppy, you know, when the breeder sent me pictures of him sitting in the little scale at, you know, you know, when he only tipped the scale at 15 pounds to, you know, 160 pounds. Oh, wow. So he'll be four in September. He gets in and out of the truck like nobody's business. People are like, oh, don't you have to have a ramp? It's like, no, watch this. And I open the door. You know, he gets a chance to stand outside if he wants to. The door stays open and he decides if he wants to come around. And, you know, I get him on a long lead and, you know. He he makes he makes his family line very very proud. You know they they love they love hearing about him. You know they had some severe loss. You know um, they're just a small breeder. They you know just a very small breeder, and they had some serious loss with some of their females. You know this last couple of years, and it's just they were glad that they were able to get the 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 dogs out. You know his dad's actually a service dog. Oh, wow. So, so it's a family yeah, business. <laughs> yeah, it's a family business, you know, so it's a hard well, business. You know, he's curled up next to me snoring. So, well, uh, well, Katie, uh, just just in some uh, closing remarks. Uh, first, first of all, uh, I want to say uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and telling us your story of your uh, your your journey to what you're doing now. Um, second of all, thanks for having the bravery to tell that story. And and also you are filling a vital need for the country right now. I, I have such respect for truck drivers. Uh, I haven't mentioned this on the show. My dad and my grandpa were truck drivers. And, and, and honestly, there, there would there would be parts of the country that would starve to death within a, a week or two without truck drivers. So so thank you for, uh, for going into that career field. And I am very glad that it's working out for you. And I'm very glad that, uh, that you're able to have your service dog with you and there's no issues and uh, that, that you've got a career that, that you truly love. Yes. Yeah. We're kind of like the unsung heroes, you know, it's just out there beating those miles. So, you know, the best advice I can talk to people who drive the little four wheelers, the cars, you know, pay attention and give those semi space, you know, give us space. So uh, we're not there to we... make your end of your day. Give us space. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did. You know, a, a loaded truck. Uh, people don't realize how long it takes a loaded truck to actually uh, come to a stop uh, from empty even to worse. Stop. Yeah. But uh, yeah. before we go, uh, it, do you have uh, any sage wisdom or advice for someone else who may be dealing with the same thing? Maybe they have a service animal and they're they're bringing it to work and they're and they're catching hell for it. Do you do you have any Sage advice of how to how to how to navigate that. You know, per the you know American Disability Acts, they have to offer accommodations. You know, they don't need to know what's wrong with you, why you need a service dog, but you know, having that general letter from your doctor stating yes, he or she needs this service dog. You know, they help mitigate their disabilities is beneficial. It's absolutely beneficial to have everywhere from a work to a housing situation. Um, having that that letter saying this dog migrates the disability of their handler is huge. It's like gold in the service dog world, you know. Um, 
but also make sure there's a big, you know, there's a big difference between emotional support dogs and service dogs. You know, service dogs help migrate disabilities and, you know, emotional support dogs are going to be there just to help you feel better. You know, if they're there to make you happy, then that it's not a true service dog, you know. So service dogs are covered under the and protected under ADA yes. but, but emotional support dogs it, that's that's more dubious area more gray area is that what you're saying that is a huge gray area you know okay. uh, a, a task for a service dog is not you know they make me feel better you know they they you know so you know some of Rue's tasks is he helps me up from a sitting position he helps me up from a helps me down from a standing position you know i can use him to brace when i need to get up or down he you know i have generalized anxiety and complex ptsd and a lot of people don't understand you know i don't use him because his presence makes me safe you know i can mark where my car is at at a location and tell him like if i have an anxiety attack I tell him, find it, and he will find the car and get me out of the store. Oh, wow. He will guide me through people out of the store. He will find my mom. He will find my wife. You know, if I have an anxiety attack in the store, he can mark the doors and get us outside, away from people. You know, if it gets too much, he'll put himself in between me and a person to give me that space. Usually it's long enough for me to register there's somebody there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So. Well, well, again, uh, Katie, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people who listen to your story and, and get a lot out of it. Uh, but, but again, thank you for being on the show. And uh, we will uh, we'll go ahead and end this interview now. All right. You have a great day. All right. This has been an episode of Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast in the Lamar Communications Group. For questions or a chance to have your story featured on this podcast, email the host at brian.lamar1453 at gmail.com.